Welcome to Signs from the Other Side with Fern Rone. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and this is the place to share stories of signs and messages received from the other side. Real quick before we get started, if you enjoy reading about signs and if you enjoy fiction like Bridget Jones and Sex in the City, you might enjoy my books, Better in the Morning and Better Believe It. And if you like this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in Apple Podcasts and tell a friend too. Thank you so much for listening and on to the show. Brianna Remus is the author of Walking with Fear, an exploratory guide to conquering your fears and living your most fulfilled life. She has two master's degrees and is currently a doctoral candidate in clinical psychology. She also documents her fiction writing journey on Instagram and her YouTube channel called appropriately Brianna Remus Books. Hi, Brianna. Hi, Fern. Very nice to talk with you today. I know. We've been friends for so long on social media. It's so exciting to finally be chatting live. I know. And I love that our interest with books has just created an awesome friendship and now it's going even further. I'm just so excited. (laughs) Yes, me too. So we met because in addition to everything else you do, you had a a popular book reviewing blog. You were a book reviewer and you reviewed (laughs) better in the morning and we connected And then when your book came out, I was so honored to read it before the release and provide a blurb. And now it's such perfect timing that we're talking because, you know, while every episode is pretty much evergreen and can be listened at any time, while we're recording this, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and your book is about fear and overcoming fear and it could not be more appropriate. So I'm... I know. (laughs) Talk about timing. Timing, God's timing is always perfect. It's in your book. I was, I obviously read it last year, but I read it again before our chat, and it's just so relevant and so helpful and so useful, no matter what's going on, because we all have fears. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's just perfect. If you could talk a little bit about that book, so that's your debut book. Yeah. So, walking with fear kind of stemmed from my love, obviously, of the field of psychology. And my own anxieties, actually. So in the book, I talk a little bit about kind of what I describe as monumental fears. And these are the fears that really shake us to our core. And they can happen, obviously, from a variety of different situations. And so this book really came about when I was faced with one of my own monumental fears. And when I was younger, I had actually experienced child sexual abuse. And as a doctoral student, I was providing care to children who were also sexually abused. And so every single day, I was walking into work and I was faced with all of these reminders and all of the fears that were associated with what I had experienced when I was young. And so that's where the love of this book really started out. And I just talk about a lot of the different steps and the different tools that I have used and taken from my own treasure chest from what I've learned Mm -hmm. with being in the field of psychology. And I applied it to basically what a normal, um, not a normal, but what a general person would maybe need. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not like a therapy book, but it's a book for anyone who experiences fear that inhibits them from living fully. Yes. What I got a lot out of your book was that that fear is is normal. You know, it's normal if we're allowed to use that. Yeah. You know, that's an okay word to use because everybody has mm-hmm. fear. But when and and some fear is healthy and that's good. It keeps us mm-hmm. from being eaten by lions. But when it inhibits <laughs> your 
ability to to become the person you were meant to be basically it's then mm-hmm. it's it you have to work on it and there's no reason to suffer and not enjoy life. And and I, you provide such useful tips, a lot of journaling, which I think is so helpful. And I think it's so interesting that you experience what you experienced as a child and you your family was very, you, you know, you had wonderful parents and you went on to live a very successful and productive life. But then mm-hmm. you were doing this and it, it kind of all came back. And I feel like that's the, that's an interesting thing about about fear and about the things we experience that mm-hmm. you can achieve certain things and and live your life but then if you're not if you haven't worked through those things they'll come back is that right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah absolutely and I I would even say that from my perspective uh, one of the things that I talk about in the book is my relationship with God Mm -hmm. Um, and not from like a religious perspective, but more of a spiritual perspective in that I think that fear is part of our lessons that we learn Mm -hmm. throughout our lives as humans. And so, you know, the most profound emotions that we can experience, right, if we're talking about the spectrum is intense happiness or ecstasy and then the other side is obviously fear and terror. So with that being said, I think that sometimes when we're not at the or if we're not willing to kind of face those fears head on or those lessons, they're kind of like buried in the in the mud of the fear, they're going to present again. And so that I think is kind of what happened to me mm-hmm. is I was being presented with an amazing opportunity, having worked with these kiddos who experienced what I had experienced. I was being presented with an opportunity to either run away from the fear again or to face it head on and get the help that I needed in order to be the best version of myself and also to be the best clinician for my other patients. So yes. definitely, it can definitely come up again for sure. Yes. And it, it makes me think that sometimes when I'm reading something or, or watching something and I'm like, I can't watch or read this, it's triggering something in me, yep. means that I have to work on that. What is it that it's mm-hmm. triggering? Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely self-exploration for sure. <laughs> yeah. And and it's scary to, to do the self-exploration, but it's also scary to live constantly like that. So it's it, mm-hmm. to come out on the other side, it's worth it. For sure. 100%. Yeah. Your relationship <laughs> with God, this whole, I don't want to give too much away, but people should read the book for <laughs> so many other parts of it. And But the, the process that you went through from, you know, from traditional religion, fear and shame to atheism mm-hmm. to where you ended up is so amazing. And if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So um, just a brief overview. It won't spoil um, like anything in the book, but part of my situation is after the sexual abuse occurred, it was a one-time incident. My paternal grandmother was very, (laughs) very strictly religious. And so I remember her visits when I was a child. And um, one of the things that she would often preach to me is my body is God's temple and not to, I guess, dirty it, if you will, by engaging in premarital sort of um, in, like sexual interaction. So having experienced sexual abuse, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, 
this means that God doesn't love me anymore because, you know, I wasn't able to get this person off of me, even though I was a child, but that's how a child's mind thinks. We're not Mm -hmm. advanced enough at that point to fully understand. And so very quickly that situation turned into chronic anxiety. So I thought, based on her teachings, that I was going to go straight to hell, that because I had engaged, not willingly, but still Mm -hmm. in this sexual behavior before being married, God didn't want me anymore. So I spent so many years riddled with anxiety, nightly panic attacks, thinking that I was, you know, not worthy of God's love, and I was going to go straight to hell. And then it got to a certain point where I really pushed against that and I pushed against religion and I pushed against God. I got very angry, which again, another emotion that stems from fear. Mm-hmm. And from there, I just said, well, heck with it. I'm not going to engage with this anymore because it makes me feel so bad. So that's where I kind of turned more to the atheism and went on my little rebel path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then from there, I just felt empty and I felt like it didn't matter if I was very successful at school. It didn't matter if my relationships were going really well. I still felt like there was a piece of me that was just empty. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't let my family know, but I started to do a little bit of soul searching. I started to pray a little bit more and just talk to God without the confounds of like church or any sort Mm -hmm. of organization. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years went by with that. And then I hit this, what I call or refer to as rock bottom. And that's when I was faced with this fear by providing care for these children. And I was seeing, you know, these sexual abuse stories every single day. And it got to a point where I was about to walk away from, at that point, seven years of graduate training, like forget about undergrad, seven Mm -hmm. years of graduate school. I was two years away from getting my doctorate and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I am petrified. Every single time I walk into the therapy room, I'm reminded of what I went through and then what I afterwards experienced with the shame and the fear of God not loving me. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) this gives me chills still, but I, it was a voting day for one of our local situations. We were voting for bills and stuff like that. And I remember I had the piece of paper in my hand and I had signed it and it was to resign from the doctoral program for a year. And I was going to take an entire year off and maybe even more than that because I just couldn't handle the fear anymore. Mm So after I had that piece of paper in my hand, I remember it was sitting next to me in the passenger side, I drove to the voting office. And the entire time that I was driving, I was just praying. And this was like the first time that I had really experienced that really intense need for God to answer my prayers and just give me some sense of direction of what I should do, because I was still very conflicted. Obviously, I have like, loans and a family Mm -hmm. to care for and all of this. So I just said, please, I need you to quite Mm -hmm. literally slap me in the face (laughs) with what I need to do. And I'm not a very subtle person. Subtlety doesn't work well for me. So I prayed directly (laughs) to Mm -hmm. what I needed in that moment. So I get to the voting office and I'm still a nervous wreck. 
because tomorrow I'm going to be turning in this paper that's going to change my life forever. So I hand over my photo ID to this sweet elderly lady who's, you know, taking all of our information down. And she says, what a beautiful signature you have. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> and she hands me back the ID, looks me right in the eyes and says, here you go, Dr. Brandon. <gasps> and it was the most profound. I still, I'm like covered in chills right now. It was the most profound moment of my life. God spoke to me directly to me through her. And it was just, it, it was my first miracle. It was my first sign. It was the first thing that I had ever experienced directly from God. And in that moment, I knew this is not a God of fear. This is not a God that wants people to be in fear. He wants us to be comforted and to know that he has our backs. And that moment changed my life. I went into my car, I ripped up that piece of paper. <laughs> and, and now I'm going off to my residency this yeah. year and things have changed profoundly for me. Amazing. So why did she say that? Did she confuse there you? Was no, there was no indication. I was the only person in line. There was no indication that I was a doctor. I was honestly dressed in workout clothes. <laughs> like there was nothing that would trigger her to say doctor. Like I didn't have a name tag on. I didn't have anything. I genuinely wow. believe, yeah, that it was just the miracle of you're going to be a doctor, you're going to save people's lives, and you're going to contribute, and your path is clear now. You don't need to question it anymore. Unbelievable. It's so funny because I have Brianna, and then I have next to it, soon-to-be Dr. Remus. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> your grandmother, did she know about the abuse? Actually, she didn't. So part of the issue, and this is an issue that a lot of survivors of abuse have, is delayed, like delayed telling of what mm -hmm. happened. So my parents didn't even know until I was 10, and the abuse happened when I was 8. Mm -hmm. So I didn't tell them until two years after. So she had never known. And then yeah. she passed when you were how old? So she had passed when I was in undergraduate training. So I was around 21, actually. And what the difficult part was, I think for me, what led to even more shame and guilt is after my father found out about the abuse and also found out about how she was speaking to me in terms mm -hmm. of relaying information about God, he pretty much lost all contact with her. And they had a pretty decent and close relationship. And mm -hmm. so when I saw that, it obviously perpetuated a lot of the guilt, even though in his mind, he was thinking, okay, well, I need to keep her away from my child. It right. ended up, you know, causing a lot more um, issues. Oh, I said the ripple effect. Yeah. Then you, then you feel yeah. so much more, like what, look what happened to this relationship with my father and grandmother. Oh, you know, that's what I hate about organized religion. I hate it. it's so based on fear and shame, the lowest vibration. And I always say, mm -hmm. you know, I picture God as, you know, so many people picture God as this like old white guy with a beard and he's like, getting <laughs> and I picture God as like 
I don't know. Like he has like a purple boa and he's like shaking it in my face and he's like, cheer the hell up. <laughs> like God is funny and warm and makes you feel loved yeah. and okay. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how, how so many more people, especially organized religion should teach that God is that it's complete mm-hmm. love makes you feel accepted and safe and okay. And you can laugh mm-hmm. and have fun and you can, and you're fine. I love your, the, what is that called in the beginning? The acknowledgements where you say to your grandmother, mm-hmm. I understand your heart now. I think it cleared up a lot of things for me because knowing more about my grandmother's own history and a lot of trials and tribulations that she went through, the way that she turned to God and God became like 100% her sole focus. And she went down that rabbit hole of fear. I understand when you get lost in that, just mm-hmm. like I did, it was in a different way, but fear breeds fear. And that's the issue, exactly what you're speaking to with these different organizations, uh, just talking about God and how your relationship has to be a very specific way and you can't commit sin and all of this sort of stuff. It's just silly, honestly. And it's Mm -hmm. not bringing people to him, which is exactly the only mission that we have, right? It's to live Mm -hmm. a life through love and through God. And that's literally our only mission. So (laughs) yes, yes, yes. We're all trying to get back there, trying to get back to that place of, of feeling total love and, and sometimes things like you got to love yourself gets lost when it's there's no practical advice behind it. But uh-huh. that's what it is. If you love yourself, you'll feel you'll feel no shame. You'll feel no fear. And you'll do the things you were meant to do to learn what you were meant to learn and become the person you were meant to be. And that's love. Uh-huh. That's loving yourself. And that's fulfilling your purpose here. Do you think she has sent you signs or have you received signs from anyone else? I can actually tell you. So when I was young, she traveled to Israel and she traveled all throughout Israel and she brought a Bible with her. And I remember receiving that when she came back because she actually brought the Bible for me. I was her first, actually I was her second grandchild by like a couple of months. Uh And so she had written and like journaled in the front part of the Bible. And I had not touched that since since everything had happened, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of just stayed in a box buried in one of my parents' closets. So recently, I've been revisiting the idea of reading the Bible and just becoming more acquainted with his word. And so I started out by reading just a normal teaching Bible. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm curious. So I grabbed the Bible from my parents' house and I was shaking because again, this is, you know, another trigger and I sat on it and I let it kind of just sit on my bookshelf for a little bit. I think about two weeks went by and I just had this feeling one day I woke up and I just had this feeling of forgiveness wash over me. And it was like, there's nothing that she did on purpose. This was not Mm -hmm. malicious and forgiveness is the key, right? That opens up Mm -hmm. so much growth and so much healing. And so I opened up the Bible and I read what she had written to me. I'm not going to cry. I had never read the passage before. 
you know, this was my first mm-hmm. time. And after I had gone to therapy and I did my healing from the trauma, I opened up the passage and I read it and it was filled with so much love for me as her grandchild. And she carried that Bible with her all throughout Israel and talked about the different sites and the different beautiful things that she saw. And I got to feel and witness a completely different side of her by reading that when I was meant to read it. I never read it before until after I had gone through trauma treatment, after I had reestablished my relationship with God. And I'm so thankful. I just woke up that day and I felt like it's time. It's time to read this. And it was nothing but love. It was nothing but love. Oh, that's incredible. I would say you met with her while you were sleeping. And she was like, when you wake up in the morning, you know, you had a great conversation. (laughs) And then she's like, when you wake up in the morning, I want you to do this. And remember these things. But wow, that's incredible. What did you learn about her history that, that about her, like what she experienced? Because that's so interesting to me too, because my grandmother was such a nervous, Mm -hmm. like she was so nervous. Like she would say to my brother and I, when we were little, like, if anything ever happened to you, if you died in a car accident, I wouldn't want to live. I would go into the bedroom and just never leave the room. And to us, like, I was like five years old and I was like, all right. Like she, she was so nervous. And then she made my mom nervous and that made me nervous. It's like, (laughs) it's, it really is. It's something that is taught. I think sometimes a learned behavior and, and then other things have happened in my life that also perpetuated the anxiety. But I, mm-hmm. I only in recent years really thought about the things she went through. And one quick example is her parents owned a bakery in Newark, New Jersey, and the mafia mm-hmm. used to come to all of the local businesses and they would, you know, uh, demand money. It was kind of like if you don't pay, oh you have to be protected. Yeah. And so her mother used to put her and her brothers in like a pillowcase or something and put them in the washing machine or something like that. She would hide them and the mafia would come. And I only in recent years thought about that and and thought like, of course she had anxiety. Like (laughs) no big surprise there. Um, And that, and then it, it perpetuated and certainly carried on. So, yeah. and, and it gave me an understanding of her and, and, and that I just really felt for her and that she, it made mm-hmm. sense that that would be why she was the way she was. So what did you learn about your grandmother? I find that so interesting. Yeah. And isn't that funny how we oftentimes see like our elders as like these superheroes where nothing could actually be wrong with them, right? <laughs> right. Where it's like, you know, they didn't go through anything that could totally ruin their lives. I mean, it's just, I think, a very common perspective until we wise up and we start to think about it more. Um, it's so funny because we see them as like, just like cute old people watching TV and like playing cards, like right. happy, like you kind of forget <laughs> that they lived a whole life and like things were, yeah. yeah, scary for them and they experienced things. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's wild. And one of the things that I learned as I grew older and my parents started to reveal more about their own childhoods and their their parents' childhoods is that my grandmother, first off, had four children. So my dad and then 
his three siblings. And when they were very, very young, my grandfather left her for another woman. And so she was left completely alone. And like, I I always knew that grandpa and grandma (laughs) were divorced, but but I didn't know the backstory until I was older. Mm -hmm. And so after learning more about that, my dad talked to me more and more about what it was like. She had to work two to three jobs and she was raising four children on her own in the eighties, which was, you know, all the kids were wild. Right. Um, <laughs> the 70s and 80s. Um, and she turned inward instead of trying to date or trying to find a new partner. She really turned inward. She focused only on maintaining her religion and then also making sure that she was raising her children to the best of her ability. And it got so bad that I remember my dad dropped out of high school in the ninth grade and he had to start working at various odd end jobs and contributing to the household. So the only comfort that she had was her Bible and mm-hmm. was going to church. That was really her only positive socialization, you know, on top of like the love of her life, leaving for another woman and then not even caring. He actually moved across the country and wow. didn't bother to help with the children at all. And after understanding First off, like the betrayal that, you know, she could experience from, you know, her husband leaving her the way that he did. And then the stress, her only coping skill was to turn to God. And I think at that point in time, it was when the church, especially her church was still very, very strict and very much you follow the Ten Commandments and that's it. Like there's no way out of this or you Mm -hmm. will go straight to hell. And that was what she grew up with. It makes so much sense now that, that she experienced this and then she, we all turned to different things to feel safe. And I guess that's what made her feel safe and maybe gave her, you know, her world felt upside down. Maybe the structure helped her. Yeah. Feel safe. Oh my God. Everybody has the most incredible story. Everybody has a story and it's incredible. And I figure the wall. (laughs) So true. Wow. Do you have any, I mean, not that you haven't provided enough such great stories, but I don't want to leave anything out before you move on to your writing. Yeah. So I would say one story that I haven't really talked a lot about in any of my platforms is marriage and just the struggle that comes with living your life with a partner. And I had envisioned this perfect fairy tale relationship because quite honestly my parents kind of embody that um they're best friends and they've been together for almost 30 years so that's what I grew up with and that's what I was expecting (laughs) so I remember having a really really dark moment when I had started another doctoral program and I talk about a little bit of my journey and walking with fear with Mm -hmm. the different schools, but I had just met my husband and he was my closest friend in Georgia um, and in the program. And I was talking to him about some of these thoughts that I was having and it wasn't intense suicidal ideation. It wasn't anything that was like an imminent threat, but it was just, Mm -hmm. At that point, I hadn't rediscovered God, and I was very um, 
I had a lot of thoughts about, well, what does dying look like then if there is no heaven? Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of people who don't have faith struggle with. And so I remember just thinking, you know, I was very depressed. I was upset. Um, things were not going my way. Mm-hmm. And I felt like no one was listening to my cry for help. And mm-hmm. so I remember uh, my husband, well, he was my friend at the time, was sitting with me on the top of a parking garage. And we had worked together at that time. And I said, I really don't even know if anyone would care if I just jumped off of this thing. And looking back, that was a little melodramatic for for me. Um, But it was true. I felt uh, very isolated. I felt very depressed. And I remember he just looked at me and he had this look in his eyes that I can't even, I can't even put words to it, but it was just, I knew, I knew that this person was like shoved into my life for a very big purpose. Mm. And he looked at me right after I said that. And he said, please don't do it. I would die. And it was just like, okay. (laughs) I I don't know. It was just something that I needed in that moment. And I, I think God often puts people in our lives for very specific reasons and mm-hmm. he hears our hearts and he hears our suffering and he wants to fix that right he doesn't yeah. like it when we're in pain so I, I think that he sent my husband to me in the lowest point of my life I've ever been in and when yeah. he said that to me it was just like a shift and I realized okay I do, not just only him, but I do have people in my life that I care about. And he really, honestly, quite literally nursed me back to happiness. And he helped me see, yeah. And and I really do believe that God just like plopped him right in my path. And he said, here you go. Here's your shining shiny beacon of hope. (laughs) If ever you needed to know who your person is, it became in that moment. Exactly. So you wrote your nonfiction book. That was your debut book. But mm-hmm. you have two fiction books that you're working on. And the first one, A Queen Thank of Ruin, you. you're determined to publish this year and you will. And then you have a paranormal romance that you're working on. Mm-hmm. But if you could talk about your writing goals. Yeah. So I think that just like you said earlier, everyone has a story. And I think that's even beyond their own personal story. I think people and humans in general are creative works of art and our minds are creative. And so for me, my job is very protocol based. And so writing gives me that amazing creative freedom where I just get to let all of this awesome personality and this great side of myself out Mm. that I don't get to do at work. So (laughs) my... (laughs) Um, so with that being said, after walking with fear came out and it did pretty well, I was like, you know what, there's this story that was really inspired by Tolkien, who, for those of you listening, if you're not a Lord of the Rings nerd, like I am, (laughs) he's the writer and the author for Lord of the Rings. So that was a huge story that just inspired my brain. And I've been obsessed Mm -hmm. with elves pretty much my entire life. They're like my favorite mythical creature. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, I love them. They're amazing. So I just kind of came up with this epic story idea that kind of pulls from different pieces of myself as well. So I can give a little bit away, but mm-hmm. in A Queen of Ruin, my main character, Namela, um, suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. And basically it's like her journey of overcoming that and then getting to the pieces of her that are strong and courageous and brave so that she can seek vengeance for the death of her kin. And I think it's a way for me to kind of, in a creative way, talk about and kind of provide lessons for what I've experienced and share my experiences without getting too, too personal. I can kind of shed light on important topics through fictional characters. So my goal for A Queen of Ruin, I already have an editor, so it's going to her over the summer in June, and it'll be published probably August or September. I love it. And then, <laughs> and then paranormal romance. I know you're obsessed with vampires, too. Yes, that too. Okay. So that's kind of like the other side of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the paranormal romance is really inspired by this, like, obscure idea of immortality and what that looks like Um, because I think that a lot of vampire stories kind of like touch on it a little bit but Mm -hmm. this one kind of takes a deep dive into the consequences of it and what happens whenever we're gifted if you want to call it that living forever on earth and what does Mm -hmm. that look like so it's just kind of a play on you know the vampire life of Mm -hmm. being immortal and uh, what that looks like. So wow, yeah. that sounds really interesting too. Congratulations. And <laughs> it's all going to, it's all going to happen and it's going to be great. And I can't wait to read them. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> so where can everyone find you? Uh, I know where to find you, but if you could tell everyone where to find you on social media and YouTube and everywhere else. Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually um, pretty Instagram focused. So that's, <laughs> honestly, the only social media platform I have other than YouTube. So it's just author Brianna Remus and the last name is R-E-M-U-S. And again, Brianna Remus books on YouTube and that's where I'm at all the time, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, congratulations on everything. And I can't wait to chat more. And this was amazing. You have such incredible stories. I I can't thank you enough. I'm so happy we connected. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Fern. Thank you so much for listening to Signs from the Other Side. You can find me, Fern Rone, on all social media at Fern Rone, R-O-N-A-Y. I love hearing from you and I love hearing your stories of signs. And if you would like to hear more episodes of this show, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Thank you again and sweet dreams.